You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. I received a piece of work which was headlined by the following statement. Will investment fundamentals return in 2021 or will the great disconnect of 2020 continue? It was penned by Martin Ackerman, the chief economist and advisory partner at Citadel in Johannesburg. And I have to say, Martin, that my theme of 2021 is looking back at 2020 and saying, goodness me, that was a tough year. But if you think that 2021, just because the click of a number uh, from 20 to 21 is going to make things any different, then you're completely wrong because already we're seeing challenging conditions and conditions that are warranting uh, very close attention. Would you agree with me? Yeah, and I, I agree that uh a new year and a new number is not going to solve the issues that we are facing locally or abroad. Mm. Um, however, I do think, you know, 10 years from now, we'll look back and say, oh, 2020 was probably a year where we started fighting the virus and trying to understand what's going on. And I really believe and hope that 2021 will be part of the solution rather than the problem. Um, if we can really get the vaccine rolled out and uh, bear down the economies. Uh, but the, the reality in the short term is that we are dealing with exactly the same issues that we've dealt with um, just a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And in fact, you know, with, with uh, further lockdowns all around the world, um, you know, it is a race against time to, to get that vaccine rolled out across the world. Um, but the economic pain is definitely going to stay with us a little bit longer. Well, this is the very telling sentence of your piece, and it, it made me think as well. I mean, I've think, been thinking about it, but when a clever person like you says it, I think actually maybe I've been right also. It says here, globally, there is a clear disconnect between market cheer and the economic situation on the ground, as many businesses and households remained under pressure uh, while the global economic recovery slowly grinds forward, and you go on about unemployment, etc., we had a bit of a recovery, but when you put a, an economy into a lockdown, in other words, businesses cannot function and governments have to pay for, sort of compensate for it in a certain way, then debt is built up and these businesses don't do business and people don't buy things. So I think there's going to be a double dip recession, if you like. Yeah, I think that that is a concern that markets are definitely not reflecting what's happening on the ground. Um, and we, we understand why. It's probably all the stimulus that's been provided. So they try and look through the cycle and say, but hang on, you know, in time, how long it might ever be, um, the economy will pick up, things will recover, uh, and therefore markets can actually be trading at higher levels. But uh, I think, you know, to get there will take uh, probably longer than most people expect. So that's that's a disconnect that I'm talking about. So for the first time ever, we are seeing that equity markets are moving higher um, yet the earnings, that that's really what you actually buy into, is still declining and is under severe pressure. And it's probably going to stay like that this year, given this the slow um, economic recovery. Um, and it's also not just equity markets, you know. I, I guess it's a function of all the liquidity that's being pumped into the system. So if you uh, draw it back to the current level on the rand, to the dollar, if you think about what's happening in the local bond market in South Africa, yes. all those asset classes are not reflecting uh, what truly should be the, the value given what's happening with the fundamentals. If you just think about the fiscal situation in SA, you know, the bond market should trade at a much different level. Um, and that's the, the kind of dilemma that um, investors are battling with at the moment. The fact that central banks are actually 
um, now co-investing with us. And you need to ask the question, well, you know, the central bank um, put options, central bank almost guarantee uh, that things will keep going at these kind of levels. How long is that sustainable? And are you going to think about a fundamental investor to say, well, it need to make sense that, you know, companies need to make money for equity markets to go up? Or will you just go and say, well, if the Fed's backing the market, then I'm not going to bet against the Fed and the ECB and the Bank of England and all of them together. No, but on the other hand, there are certain negative influences as well. And, and number one, I would say, because I, I spoke to a chap this morning and he talked about Tesla and he put it so simply to me. He said, Lindsay, Tesla has gone into the S&P 500 at this absurd P.E. ratio. And therefore, when it falls, which ultimately, of course, it will, it's not going to it's not going to go out of business. It's just, it's just its valuation, its stock value, its stock price valuation will will come down, will drag the S&P down. And then there'll be a knock on effect on the the rest of the S&P because of the algo traders and because of the index trackers. And that will knock onto the Nasdaq and uh, onto the Dow Jones as well to a certain point. So the very idea that one particular stock, which is so fashionable, has gone into an index when it comes down will affect the whole market. It, it's extraordinary what's going on. Yeah, I think we've seen that this year as well. You know, with the FANG stocks, um, the markets all around the world is getting very really concentrated. Um, and just think about the local stock market as well. And um, if you remove the active management industry from it, and you just focus on, on the passive industry, the uh, algo traders that you spoke about, you know, this really creates potential issues for, for the market. Mm. Um, and if one of those stocks, you know, either run very hard like we've seen last year, it, it creates distortion on the upside. Um, and the same will definitely happen on, on the downside. Um, so, so, so that concentrated um, positions in the market cap indices these days are definitely making it very difficult um, for, for investors, again, to actually make the right decision in terms of where to invest and what to buy. And very often, you know, those companies um, like a Tesla, you know, you need to ask yourself the question, is that a fair valuation for a company like that? Of course it's not. Um, we always see a disruptor coming on, 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 online. And then um, the sad thing is very often it is not that company that will then be the global leader uh, 10 years down the line. Think about something like Kodak. Nokia, mm. you know, they were all leaders at the time, but they're not there anymore. So today, you know, Nokia is you know, probably iPhone or something, Apple that, that took over that space. Um, I'm not saying this will happen to Tesla, but very often in, in that kind of environment, investors are really overpaying for that disrupting technology because they're 100% correct that it will change the world. Uh, but it will probably happen at a, a different price and uh, probably at a, a more optimal level. And I guess that is a real risk uh, with a company like that currently being coming into an index and playing a, a bigger role in terms of market direction. You say, will SA finally face its fiscal demons? We've been talking about the international and overall market condition. But against this backdrop, you say South Africa has been basking in the glow of risk on sentiment, the benefits of which are perhaps most evident in our local bond and currency markets. But much like holidaymakers who allow festive cheer to tempt them into spending freely on credit, South Africa's bill will eventually come due, forcing government to return to reality mm -hmm. and face its fiscal demons. So... 
there is a grim reality in 2021. Can we manage it, first of all? We should be able to manage it and we should be continuing to spend in order to support people that are under, under pressure. But on the other hand, can we manage it? Yeah, I guess, you know, my concern at the moment, like I said, is um, the RAND and the bond market is more a reflection of this global liquidity that, that's going around. Mm. Um, if you remove that from the equation, uh, if you just think about it, you know, the, our bonds traded around about nine before the downgrade in March 2020. Um, then we had the downgrade. We had a couple of rating reviews to the negative side. Uh, our fiscal situation is much worse as a result of COVID. You know, we're going to see a, a deficit that's twice what's been budgeted for um, beginning of last year. Uh, and yet the bond market is now trading at a lower level. So the market is telling us, you know, the risk is actually lower compared to last year this time. And, and, and that doesn't make sense. So that that's what I'm saying is a, a function of what's happening globally. And for now, investors are ignoring it um, because, like I've said in that article, it is almost like spending your Christmas holiday on the credit card. So yeah. you don't realize that, you know, by the end of January, February, you will need to pay that bill. Now, in SA's case, it's not going to be the end of January, February. It is going to be at the end of our fiscal framework, which is uh, two, three years down the line. Um, but it is as if, you know, people don't realize the severity of the, 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 the matter that, um, take, for example, the first IMF repayment will happen in three years' time. So for now, we think that, you know, we can manage and we can pay all the social grants and, and all the COVID relief, which, which is definitely important in this environment. Um, but if we don't do anything in terms of cutting the, the unnecessary expenses from the government side, and on the other hand, trying to get the reforms through the pipeline so that you can start lifting the, the revenue side, um, that, that kind of urgency we don't see at this point in time, and that is going to push us to the corner in the next three years. Um, and I think the Minister of Finance made it very clear that, you know, we, we will basically face a, a debt trap. Um, and and that's the last thing that we want uh, at this point in time. Well, luckily enough, he, he won't be here then. That's my prediction. But anyway, or rather in that position then, where can investors turn is the rather enigmatic way that you sort of end your article. Despite the many headwinds still facing markets, it's important for investors to keep in mind that with the economic trough behind us, and uh, that's also interesting behind us. The COVID-19 reset means that we are now entering the upswing of a new business cycle. I would challenge you on that one. I think we've got another COVID-19 problem and all the vaccine optimism. It's not going to completely disappear, uh, but maybe it's got a little bit ahead of itself. No, I fully agree. A vaccine is not going to solve the issues that we are facing. Um, especially in South Africa, you know, a vaccine is not going to solve the structural issues that we faced in any case. So there's other things that we need to do to get the economy going. When I say the bottom is behind us, I'm simply saying that, you know, um, I don't think the world will see a hard lockdown like we did in the first part of 2020 again. Mm. Um, if we see a second, third, fourth wave, there will be regional lockdowns that will definitely have an impact on the economy. But the, the main economic damage has been done in the first half of 2020. Now it's more a question of you know, how long will it take before we can logistically roll out the vaccine and return life to normal. Uh, but more importantly, how long will it take for the economy slowly to grind back to normality? 
So when I say the bottom is behind us, that doesn't mean that this year we're going to shoot out the lights and get back to capacity growth. I just think we are now in a position where the economy can slowly start to recover. Um, but I think it's probably going to take years uh, rather than months to get back to pre-COVID levels. But in that recovery phase, at least there you're paving the way for those companies that um, were not impacted by uh, structural um, factors like the airline industry, the tourism industry. Uh, you know, they've got a very long way to go before they get back to, to capacity. Uh, but for the other companies or kind of industries rather, um, you know, you're slowly getting into a phase where, where those uh, companies can start to benefit again, especially if it's companies that's positioned for this new world we're in, um, you know, whether it's working remotely, uh, buying remotely, entertaining remotely, um, the fourth industrial revolution. I think, you know, the, the environment is definitely ready for those companies to, to benefit. So, so that's just putting the, the bottom into perspective. Um, so, you know, it sounds like I've said earlier on that we are concerned about markets decoupled from fundamentals, and that is true. But the reality is, if you look at, especially in the Western world, you know, you can't sit in cash and government bonds anymore. You, you, you just, you, you're moving backward from day one. Um, you will, you know, the interesting fact is uh, if you put your money in a U.S. bank account today, it will take 900 years to double that money. So it just shows you how hmm. expensive that asset class is, and it's definitely not a safe haven anymore. So investors need to look at some other alternative investments. And I think core to that approach is still a the right, put it this way, the right kind of global equity portfolio. In other words, those companies that's got that's that's quality, uh, that's got low debt, that can navigate this kind of environment, that's positioned for the new economy, um, and that's got the right pricing power in this environment. Uh, they will be volatile because they're part of the market. You know, that Tesla example that you've used, uh, pull the S&P down, you will see the same impact on the basket of those kind of companies. Uh, but for longer-term investors, that's really where you're going to maintain wealth, beat cash, and definitely beat inflation as well. Um, so I think investors should focus on something like that. And then, um, yeah, I'm still, you know, for the first time in many, many years, I think something like gold deserves a place in my portfolio. That's interesting. Just because, yeah, I think, you know... Not, um, not Bitcoin. Sorry to interrupt you. you. You would have gold over Bitcoin, which uh, today has gone to a new all-time record high of $34,000 per coin. Can you believe this, uh, Martin? I mean, no, I, 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 I talk about it every day, but I, don't, I still don't understand it. No, no, I think Bitcoin... So, so I think it's part of the basket of alternatives. So... Um, for, for us as as investment advisors, we can only invest in regulated uh, instruments. So so that's something that's a regulatory issue. So we can't buy bitcoins yet, um, but that's also going to change very quickly. You know, locally the authorities are looking at some regulations. The Reserve Bank is looking at regulations. So so that will come into play. If you think about it, if cash is giving you nothing, you're looking at alternative that can. Um, provide you with a cash beating return and and that goes back to the old kind of cash which is gold and it will include the new kind of cash which is bitcoin um so so those kind of instruments will come into play in the next decade where we might see some global inflation and we know for for a fact that central banks will keep rates close to zero so they can 
afford the amount of debt that they've piled up. Mm. Um, so investors will need to look at including some of those to protect them against not inflation, but in fact getting nothing in a, in a bank account. The final paragraph of your piece is headed as follows, prospects for the RAND. Now, the RAND is very interesting, as we've said earlier on, going from 1935 uh, to 1450 and now around 15. Um, but how important is that when you at uh, Citadel look at your portfolio and look at your asset allocation? How important is it? Because I would say that it, it, it reinforces at these levels the need to diversify offshore. Yes, no, definitely. We, we do have quite a significant exposure offshore. Mm. Um, so the rand level is obviously important. Uh, it depends when you actually went into the market. So um, at these kind of levels, and given our outlook in terms of where the currency might settle as soon as this liquidity rush is over and the fiscal demons return, uh, we think it's a great opportunity to actually buy dollars uh, and take it offshore if you're in that position. Uh, for clients with money that's already invested abroad, we typically follow a dynamic dynamic currency hedging process. So just depending on where the currency trades, you can either protect against uh, RAND weakness uh, or vice versa. So at this point in time, we won't have any protection against a stronger RAND. So we are prepared for, for RAND weakness going forward. And that will act as a tailwind for any clients sitting locally and thinking about the offshore investments in RAND. Um, but on the other side of the coin, if you just go back to March 2020, just a couple of months ago, the RAND uh, went to 18.25. And at that point in time, we actually hedged the currency um, and protected our investors against the mm. RAND getting stronger well done. Uh, to this, the kind of levels that we're seeing currently. Um, yeah, so, so the RAND, we think, is definitely in for, for some weakness, but you can stay a little bit stronger for a little bit longer given what's happening in the world. I think February, the national budget is my next flag that can be a, a, a RAND negative event. Um, and then longer term, yeah, like I said, we do think the RAND will, will sit at much weaker levels. Martin, thanks so much for your time. That's Martin Ackerman, Chief Economist and Advisory Partner at Citadel. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.